That's Matt Mosley's show, ESPN Central Texas, getting you ready for Tech in Baylor this weekend. And uh, joined now by Chris Vanini, and uh, Chris does a great job, senior writer at The Athletic. And uh, the man likes his history. He, he dove right into some uh, historical work on this story between the, how the NFL and college football are kind of starting to encroach upon each other. Um, Chris, that's a, that's a, that's, that had to be a really fascinating uh, story to work on. I mean, you, you had to go back in the archives for this one, didn't you? Yeah, it was something I honestly was not totally aware of until the NFL announced the Black Friday game for next mm-hmm. year with the kickoff at 3 p.m. And I'd seen some people mention that it has to be at 3 p.m. because of something called the Sports Broadcasting Act. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. So <laughs> I did some research and, and, and dug, dug some more and, and talked to people at the JFK Presidential Library to get some, some letters. And, and, and what it is is a 1961 law uh, passed by Congress that the NFL could pool its TV rights together to sell as a league instead of as individual teams, which is the way all pro sports leagues work now. But, but along with doing that, the NFL could not broadcast after 6 p.m. on Friday to protect high school football, it could not broadcast on Saturday up until mid, mid-December to, to protect college football. So that's, um, that's what the act was, and it, it, it's hitting up against now this NFL college football TV battle, which is going to come with playoff expansion, because at the moment you're going to add first-round games on that first weekend that the NFL is allowed to play on Saturdays. And then the semifinals – at the moment, are scheduled to go up against NFL Wild Card Weekend. So now you've got college football and the NFL going head to head on TV, or, or, or going to at some point, uh, in a way that they never have before. Isn't it amazing that a law that Kennedy put in in 1961 has held up in such a strong manner? And obviously, there's some things that are happening right now uh, that that maybe are going to change some of that, but it, it makes you start thinking about some of the crazy rules that we've had over the years as far as, like, NFL blackouts, where if you didn't have a sellout, they wouldn't show it. They wouldn't show the games in a hometown market. And and that's what you hit on in some of the story. There was some, there was some really interesting – in 1961, Pete Rozelle had to go out and – and, and basically sue for the right to put everything together and pull all the rights of the NFL. And then he had to get Congress to get involved. And that that um, antitrust exemption that he got has become one of the strongest things in, in the history of the NFL. And, in fact, you can't write the NFL history without the start of all that. So it's um, – it's it's fascinating the way it all started. And then over the years, as you talked about, Chris, things changed to where the NFL became such a monster, they get more of the TV eyes. Back in 1961, that wasn't the case. In fact, I bet that didn't change until what time, would you say? Like the the 80s? Or when did the NFL start to basically, you know, dominate uh, television ratings? Well, yeah, I mean, the blackout rules go back to that act as well. Yeah. And it's ironic because the, the antitrust exemption, it was originally meant to spur competition because the AFL had already had pooled its rights together. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, hey, this is going to help competitive leagues 
thrive against each other if they can pool their stuff together and, and that the smaller market franchises in the NFL needed it. Ultimately, when the AFL and NFL merged uh, in 1966, it did the opposite. It ended up protecting the NFL more than ever before, and they needed another antitrust exemption to get the merger to happen. And they did because they said, hey, we're not going to lose any teams. All the teams in both leagues are going to survive. And that was able to kind of convince Congress to do it. They were also, they basically promised that the New Orleans Saints would be born. So, so like, it, a lot of it really comes back to the, the modern TV landscape, the NFL owning Sundays, college football owning Saturdays, the NFL being a behemoth uh, as a single entity. It all comes back to that. And I in college football knew at the time that it was going to be uh, an issue, which is why they lobbied Congress to extend that TV window. I like I, I found a letter that originally the, the, the window that the NFL couldn't broadcast was just going to be noon to 6 p.m. on Saturday. And that was it. And wow. the NFL would have had Saturday nights if that was not the case. College football pushed back on that. The NCAA and, and various people were able to extend that. And then it got extended again to Friday to help high school football. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people knew at the time it was possible because one of the um, the athletic director from Wyoming back in 1961 said that if this goes forward as planned without adjustments, it'll be the end of college sports. And that may be a bit overdramatic, but I, people knew at the time kind of what was on the line and we're still abiding by it today. See, I wondered if you went to the JFK library. I guess now you can do this kind of remotely. How do you do? You have to basically get a hold of the JFK library and say, "Hey, this is what I need." And access. I mean, how much of that stuff can you do remotely? And then they do they start sending you like electronic copies of some of those letters. I mean, this is uh, it's that that aspect of it was kind of fascinating to me you know, locating some of these things. And I bet that had to be really kind of fun for you uh, as a journalist to kind of sit there and look at those old letters that probably not that many people have looked up in a long, long time. Yeah, a a lot of it is online. And I I went to the library website and was basically doing a search for football and anything that would pop up in there. And I eventually found this letter from JFK's, one of his staffers, to the Wyoming AD saying, hey, I got your letter about the bill. You know, we're talking about it. And so I was like, wait, where is the, where is the original letter? The one, that, the one that he's replying to, where is the first one? That one I could not find online. So I called up the, the museum. Uh, a guy with a very strong Boston accent uh, picked up and, and directed me to the archives <laughs> people. And I was like, I know this letter exists. Like, here's the letter I found. Here's like the date it would have been on because it had the date. I was like, do you guys have this? Because it's not online. And they found it. And so they sent it over. And I was like, oh, yes, here we go. This is the, 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 the letter from the Wyoming AD to JFK's administration. Uh, and I was able to find, I was able to piece it together like that. Also included an NCAA memo uh, from Walter Byers, the executive director at the time. But one, one, one thing I learned from this was that uh, a whole lot of people – back in the 60s, wanted JFK to come play flag football with them. There were just all <laughs> kinds of organizations saying, hey, we see, we know JFK, we know we played college football or, or something like that. Like, we'd love to have your administration or have him participate in this. It'll promote physical fitness and do all these things. Just so many letters like that. One of them was from a state senator 
in uh, in New York sent it from Albany, and JFK's uh, staffer replied and basically had to say, yeah, no, we can't do this because the Bay of Pigs invasion is going on. You may have seen it on the news. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so apparently everybody wanted JFK to come play touch football with them. <laughs> I like that you started stumbling over all kinds of stuff. Uh, yeah, you had you probably have another story on your hands. You could you could uh, you could write about that. Chris Vanini with uh, the Athletic joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Uh, you talked to Bill Hancock for this story, and it just he comes across as very very aware, obviously, of this. I wonder how much this is coming up. Uh, we wonder sometimes, why can they not get on the same page and get this expansion done? Well, this is one of the myriad reasons of why that is, because there's a million hurdles you've got to think about. And, and so I, I think Bill Hancock, and you brought it up, they've got to consider those semifinals, maybe moving those up and playing those like on a, a Thursday and Friday to try not to go up against the wild card playoffs, because in a sense, that would be a washout. I mean, that would be a wipeout. As great as, as much as we love college football, if they try to go up against NFL wildcard weekend, that's a problem. If, if there's a random game on NFL Network on a Thursday or whatever it was, or Saturday, like you had talked about in the article, that's okay. Going directly against wildcard weekend would be a huge problem, I would think. Yes, I mean, that, that, is, the, that is among the biggest issues is, the calendar, like when are you going to play these games? Because at the moment, if you're trying to do the first round of the playoffs two weeks after conference championship games, well, then the NFL is allowed to do that weekend because of the Sports Broadcasting Act. College football gets the first two Saturdays in December, and that's it. So if you're playing first-round games on the third Saturday, then the NFL is there. The NFL also has a Thursday game that week because it's the regular season. Yeah. So college football is looking at probably playing maybe one game on Friday – three on Saturday, perhaps a two and two, like, like that's the most likely result here for the first round games. And then, yeah, the semifinals go up against wild card weekend, Thursday and Friday are open, but is that ideal? I mean, are you really want to do a semifinal game on a Thursday? Do you do two of them on Friday? <laughs> that, that that's the difficult situation at hand uh, among the many issues, such as how do you, you know, there, there's all sorts of stuff. There's commencements going on in mid-December people are there's finals people are moving out like like are is this campus going to be shut down there's a lot of the stuff to figure out that they could have worked on for nine months if they had approved expansion back in in the fall so it's it's not some easy thing there's a lot of things that they have to, to go through in order to get it done by 2024 uh the idea of potentially moving college football back a week starting in week zero essentially what mm-hmm. we call it now that would free that would free up uh, the first round, because then the first round would take place in that second weekend of December, which is still protected. Uh, but that's not going to happen until 2026 at the earliest. It would kind of need to be a large scale agreement to, to do that. Uh, so, so again, these are a lot of issues to be worked out, a lot of calendar issues, and you know, a lot of it comes back to that law that 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 bill that was signed into law by by JFK. And that one professor from Iowa basically said to you that, uh, that NFL and college football, uh, his quote was, are allies, but he w- I wouldn't say they're partners. And I think that is, too. And in, in over the years, they have worked together in a lot of ways, but it's kind of like when we think about the 
NBA and college basketball. Yeah, they want to try as best they can to help each other, but they're two separate entities. And so um, I, I think uh, I think NFL benefits in a great way from college football, but not enough to like give them just continue to give them like some kind of huge discount or something or, oh, we're not going to play here. And I think what you picked up on, what made you write the story is right. The Black Friday thing, that's just that that's that's the it's already kind of started. But that's sort of that direct encroachment. That's like, oh, wow. You know, Black Friday has always been kind of a college football day. We think of uh, you you brought up Iowa. We, we think of uh, some of these big rivalry games. Um, it, it's, it's on its way. And as you said, I think that's why, um, Bill Hancock and others are trying to figure out, and I don't even Sankey, I, I, your guy, Oresco, who, you know, pretty well, I would imagine, uh, at the AAC, he's a tough dude. Um, you know, he's the one always, I love, he, I love his quotes. He was basically, I think you started it, the, the article with like, basically we're not, scared of this or or you know he, i think it's interesting because even sankey came across is not as strident as oresco did well I, I think i think both of them are generally on the same page i think kevin warren's a little bit different the big 10 commissioner because he spent 20 years in the nfl he he uh he had no interest in expressing any sort of uh, displeasure with the nfl over their decision <laughs> which is not surprising but you know, a lot of the commissioners have said privately, like, we, we can't, we, we got to do what's best for us here. Like, we can't work uh-huh. everything around the NFL anymore because the NFL is just getting bigger and bigger, and we are getting bigger and bigger. And we're bound to just overlap now at this point. So maybe we just need to bite the bullet and do it. The issue is you got to get ESPN kind of on board or whoever your future media partners are on board with doing that as well because. You know, if Fox gets part of the college football playoff, you know, they're probably going to favor having the NFL in a certain slot over college football. Or or ESPN may not want to go against the NFL and go against Fox in that situation because the ratings aren't nearly as good when you do that. So you got you they can't just do it on their own right now either, for at least for these first two years with the current deal. They need to work that out with the TV broadcasters as well. Chris, uh, I really appreciate it. I was just, uh, before you came on, looking at your mailbag, and people love your group of five, and, and uh, as you look at some of these uh, schools, and I just think those teams, and you're seeing some of them about to join the Big 12, those fans are just always uh, dying for more coverage. And I think the uh, what you do and, and the way you serve those fans is uh, is great. And so uh, I was looking over your uh, your midseason season uh, all what is this group of five team here, and uh, I, that was uh, I, I, I bet that's a fun one to put together, and I bet you get a lot of feedback because you know you can't ever put everybody on that, but uh, that's a uh, it's it's a great job, and I really appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, no, there's there's 131 FBS teams, and it's it's uh, they all would like some sort of attention, so I'm glad we at the Athletic uh, are able to to do that. All right. Well, listen, we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Really appreciate it, and great job on the story. Yep, thanks for having me. Chris Vanini from uh, The Athletic joining us as he kind of went back in the archives and had some uh, very interesting article looking at the history of why the college football is, for the most part, protected from the NFL, 
But, oh, goodness, because of all these dates moving and the expansion of the college football uh, with the playoff, if it goes to 12, they're about to uh, be on a crash course for each other.